same time when I'm trying to read, you know, it's like <coughs> you're thinking about port chord progressions and you're thinking about, you know, I have to play that, the, belt, the, uh, the bass line or the treble line and timing and transition. When are we gonna, how many times are we going to do this chord? And then the middle of this song, <laughs> I stopped to thought, I saw this cartoon where there's a preacher preaching from the thing and he says, how many people want change? And there's all, all the hands in the congregation go up and then he says, how many want people want to change? And all the hands go down. <laughs> I was like, we're singing, hungry. How many people are hungry? How many people want to, you know? It's like, oh, well, maybe we're not. We're singing hungry, you know, we're singing these choruses about hunger and hungry. The last time I was up here, I had the chance to preach about um, spiritual hunger in a sense and try to take off on the Azusa Street Revival. And if you remember right, I set the platform up here to show you what William Seymour did on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, 1912, from 1909 to 1912, and that was this period when these 15 hungry people met in this house in Los Angeles, you know, on Bonnie Bray Street, and they, before they got to the Azusa Street mission, these 15 people were praying for God. Well, they were hungry people. They were, they were desperate people for God. They were crying out in hunger, just wanting more of Him. And I will pass these things on, this news on to you because sometimes these things don't get passed around well enough. Um, I'm friends with a guy named Doug Stanton. Have you heard of Doug Stanton? Do you know who that is? Who's up, guys? Um, I'd actually never heard of him much before. We went down to the prophetic conference. I mean, I had heard his name, but we went down to the prophetic conference, I think it was two years ago or three years ago, and he spoke there. Uh, he's from Australia, so he's got that cool accent. I wish I kind of had that, ac- that same accent. And I just like the way he talks. He's got that, that Australian deal with him, the lilt, you know. And um, back in 1998, I think it was, the late 90s, a church called Church of the Resurrection, Re- Resurrection Fellowship, excuse me, Resurrection Fellowship in Brooklyn Center invited Doug Stanton to come. And they wanted Doug Stanton to come and speak, and they booked him for like two or three nights. And by the third night, the Spirit of God had fallen on this place. For some unknown reason, it was not planned. It wasn't in the agenda. They didn't have it up, printed out or anything like that, but the Spirit of God fell, and revival came to Church of the Resurrection. Amen. Excuse me, I said that twice. No, I said it wrong. Resurrection Fellowship. And for the next six months, revival fell at this place. And for every night for six months, they set up a tent in the parking lot. And for every night, every night, every night, for six months, they met and people came. And they had thousands of people came through this tent. And this revival fell, and this mini- they started this ministry called Rain Ministry. And out of Rain Ministry came uh, the healing conferences, the prophetic conferences, the camp that we went to. Um, and they've touched thousands of lives from all over. They brought in, you know, Bill Johnson and Randy Clark and you know, all these speakers from all over the world to come and to speak and to touch people's lives and equip people's lives. And I'm friends with Doug Stanton on uh, Facebook. And we had heard Doug speak at a workshop. And I, I'm instantly drawn to, to Doug because he's such a, a laid-back kind of guy. He's a cowboy. He owns a farm and a ranch in, in Australia. Uh, and, you know, he basically says, you know, I'm, I'm a failure as a Christian because I don't have an hour a day prayer time. You know, he said, I'm just a basic guy. I'm out in the field, and I'm just praying as I'm putting up fence posts. And, and he started talking about how he could hear his dad's voice tell him, when you put the post in, you've got to wrap the wire this way. And so I could hear his voice in my head. So, so when I'm in the fields, I can hear God's voice speaking to me, Doug, do this, Doug, do that. And he says, I just hear him wherever I go. And I premise all this to say that there's a church south of Redeeming Love Church, and it's called the Josiah Center. 
And I've met the pastor, his name is Pastor Dave, sucked his last name. We met at the last conference. And it was funny, as we were talking, we started comparing notes between each other, what we've experienced in our Christian walk and kind of where we were at with the church. And we were really parallel. And it was kind of uncanny that he had this concept and this idea he wants to do fivefold. He wants to do apostolic ministry. He got a really small group, this group of people in this Josiah Center. And just kind of where he's at, they invited a man named Doug Stanton to come to speak at Josiah Center last, two, two, almost two weeks ago, for three nights, the 17th, 17th, 18th, and 19th. By the end of the third night, the Spirit of God is moving down there. They've had services every night since then, now since the 17th. They're seeing a move of God and things happen. They don't know how long they're going to go. I mean, he's, <laughs> they don't know how long Doug's going to stay. I'm going to say it's interesting that they brought him in, and it started with just this bring him in, this you know, small group of people. It's down in uh, White Bear Lake in the cities. And uh, he's testifying on Facebook, showing the video that God is falling and a revival is happening. Miracles are happening. People are being healed. People are, are being drawn into this little bitty place because the Spirit of God is there. And every night for the last, or is it this 12 days, 14 days, whatever it's been, they've had meetings every night. And they can plan to keep it rolling as long as God tells them to keep rolling. So it, it, it happens. You know, you want to ask and hear about this thing. Doug Stanton said, said, I've been involved in half a dozen revival situations where he's been there and all of a sudden a revival breaks up. And he had uh, a ministry center in Minneapolis with staff and it was pretty good size and they sold it all and just shut it all down to him and his wife and they just go around. God follows them where they go. But I'm not saying, you know, just that. I'm saying God follows them because they came to some place where hungry people were looking for God. And so today, I, we got a message that actually came from Mary. Thank you, Mary. Mary sent us a video from Bill Johnson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I want to take a little bit off of this video that Bill Johnson spoke about because it was a perfect follow-up to where I ended off two weeks ago about being spiritually hungry. He started talking about being hungry, being hungry and satisfied. There's, there's, this, there's this paradox in the Christian life of how, how are we satisfied and yet hungry? the same time. And how do you walk in this balance of being full and being satisfied, but yet being hungry? Hunger is a, a sign of spiritual health. Yeah. Right? Because hunger is a sign of natural health. Right? You've had kids, and we had our grandkids up for Thanksgiving, and one of them was sick, and he wasn't terribly hungry, you know. If you've ever had a kid, one of the first things you notice when they don't feel good is that they don't want to eat. They get kind of lethargic and, you know, they, they're just not hungry. So there's hung, or the lack of hunger is a sign of sickness in some form, particularly in the, in the natural sense. Uh, so one of the signs of, of an issue, whether it's in the natural or the spiritual, is that there's no more hunger. So hunger is a spiritual premise. That when you live in an environment of blessing is the environment we're supposed to be living in, right? That God blesses us with all spiritual blessings, right? That's what the scriptures tell us. When we live in that blessing, one of the things that's required to maintain this is to maintain hunger. Because when we maintain hunger, what comes along with that is an aspect of humility because it's a dependency. Amen. See? So there's this blessing that comes the hunger that accompanies that, this humility that comes along with it. Hunger says, I'm in need. 
in a spiritual sense. I'm in need. God, I need you to come. I need you to fill me. And maturity, when we want to get to maturity in this kingdom, when we want to get to a place of growth and sustaining this, it's maintained through the posture of hunger. Maintaining a hunger. In the natural, you get hungry by not eating, right? So if we don't eat, that's when we get hungry. But again, in the paradox of Christianity, we get more hungry the more we eat in the spiritual world, don't we? Amen. It should be that way, anyway. But the more that you read and the more that you eat, it's like when I get kind of on a thought process <laughs> about something that, that intrigues me or interests me, and I start reading something about it, I start studying about the saints of old, maybe I read testimonies, it makes me want to know more. And I get hungry, but I want to say, well, what did the Scripture say about this? What did David say about this? How did, how did you know, Paul handle this situation? And you get hungry the more you eat. Why does God value hunger? Hunger, as I just said, is a place of humility that keeps us in a place of dependency. Hunger, Isaiah 29, it says to us that hunger causes people to dream. Think about that, that hunger causes us to dream. The significance of that is that when people lose their dreams and lose their visions and lose their desire for things, it's because they've lost their hunger and they're satisfied. Right? Because you, when you're hungry, you want more. And so then you start dreaming for more. It's like, oh, I'm, just, I'm not satisfied with this. I want more depth of understanding. I want to have more maturity in this area. I want to be able to pray for people. I want to evangelize people on the subway. <laughs> We're hungry for that. With that comes dreams and visions. The Lord has made us in our DNA to be hungry people. Amen. Hunger is a motivating factor that causes people to move out of themselves into something greater. So when you're satisfied, then you stay within yourself and you stay within what's comfortable and what you know. It's easy to do the same routines. It's easy to be happy with what you have and to maintain these things. But God has never called us to maintain anything. Right? He's, caused, he's called us to expand, to multiply, to always be growing. Yes. Out of the conveniences and out of having a life of everything given to them, people get satisfied and they lose their hunger, particularly in a spiritual sense. And it's easy to have happen. <laughs> I, mean, I found myself in all these little extended periods of time of being satisfied with where I'm at. Brown Horn always used to say that people in this world are always going to be really satisfied as long as they have something in the back pocket right here. <laughs> the biggest motivator is when they pull out the wallet and the wallet's empty, suddenly they're hungry. <laughs> People who are this way, if we ever get to this way, we never discover who God made us to be because the richness of God who made us is to be found in passion, in hunger, in pursuing after things. Yes. It's in the pursuit that we're going to find what God wants us to do. Amen. Right? If we just aren't pursuing, we're never going to find it. If you've ever studied athletes, it's, it's, it, I mean, athletics has so many keys to life. <laughs> Athletes that are really good 
are those who have a lot of passion and a lot of drive and a lot of motivation. And they're just extremely, he used to tell all these stories about, people would say that, you talk about Peyton Manning and how he would just drive them crazy. Because after the game, and everybody gets on that plane to fly home and they're all got their headphones on and they're trying to sleep. And he says, and here's Manning in the back of the plane with the tablet or whatever. And he's, go, and he's getting up and he's going up to people and he's nudging them. Hey, did you see on this plane that you should have turned this way instead of turning? They're like, can you please leave me alone? I want to sleep. He's, he's just so motivated. He was so driven to succeed. He was hungry for more. That's what makes us rise to the top. And then when this happens to us, we get filled with the things of God and we face this decision that we have to maintain this hunger or we default living off our past experiences and then we just get into dissatisfaction. See, if we always live on the past experiences and the past blessings, we're always going to be satisfied. But if we look at them and say, I'm not hungry with where I'm at. I'm not, hung I'm not happy with my prayer life. I'm not happy with you know, the seeing these things manifest around me. I'm not happy with that. I want more. I'm in a place where I do want more in my spiritual walk with God. Even at the you know, age that I'm at, I'm getting to that stage where I still want more. I don't want to ever just rest on my laurels. And since Ron and I used to have this discussion all the time when Ron was an elder here, when he was alive, of how it was so easy for him to want to just get a wood stove in his house and get a nice comfortable chair and sit back and put his feet up by the stove and just let it warm him up and sit there and just kind of you know, but he said, I never want to be that way. I never want to get that stage where I'm sitting in the rocking chair in front of the wood stove, satisfied. See, God has reserved transforming influence for the hungry. Those that are hungry are going to be the transforming influence in this society. Yeah. Like I said, those hungry people in Azusa Street transformed our society. I've read the book, God's Generals. The reason why there's God's generals written in is because they were hungry people who weren't satisfied. Amen. They were never satisfied with the number of people at a crusade. They were never satisfied with the number of souls that they got. Smith Wigglesworth was never satisfied. I mean, these guys were never satisfied. They want not to say, like it was always, they were always bad to go on, everything's wrong, but they just wanted more. There is this balance that comes between this life of abundance which God promises us and hunger that is difficult to maintain. And there comes a point, and it's a point, and it's a point that's different for every person, every person, when we come in this danger of having so much that we lose this life of dependency. If we have too much income or too much spiritual blessings and the comfortableness of our lifestyle that we lose this idea of dependency. Bill asked this question in the middle of this video, and he said, how much abundance is too much abundance? And we no longer trust. Because hunger and this walk and this humility and all of this comes from this place of trust. It says in the scriptures, it tells us, for it is impossible to please God apart from faith. And faith is the expression of trust. Because it says what? It's the evidence of things unseen. We have to trust God in these things. So hunger then leads to trust, which leads to the capacity to dream and move outside what seems safe. Let me say that again. Hunger leads to trust, which leads to the capacity to dream 
and move outside of what seems safe. So, I believe that there comes moments in time and places in time, and I don't have a handle on any of these things because I don't understand most of the stuff, when God pours out a gift of hunger upon those who want it. Pockets of people get to this place and say, God, we want more of you. And God pours that gift out. And then he begins to pour the abundance in to meet the needs that go along with the hunger that's expressed. This gift, I think we're going to need more of this gift in the coming season. Where this world is going, we're going to need this gift of hunger to be hungry and thirsty after him. And it's a gift he's about to pour out a blessing that's bigger than anything we've ever seen before. And so we're going to receive this blessings that come pouring out. But we need to maintain the hunger, the hunger for increase. I want to read out of Psalm 107, 33. You've got your Bibles with you. I'll have to get that board I showed you last week. Count the number. How many people have your Bibles with you? <laughs> Put it up there. This is the best-selling book in the world, so if you don't have one, you probably can find one somewhere. Psalm 107.33 says, He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. Which is pretty kind of a desolate verse. <laughs> but there's a period there. And it says, He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to dwell in. Okay. Luke one fifty-three ties to this in a way that I'm going to try to make sense out of this with you for a minute this morning. It says in Luke, Luke wrote, he says, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. So there's two phrases to this. We have here, we have that he fills the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. The first way that people would look at this is say this is God's dissatisfaction with the wealthy, with the rich. You know, he turns up. That's not what the point of this verse is. The point of this verse really is that he shows us the dissatisfaction of those who have become satisfied and lost their hunger. Because he wants to give the hungry good things. But what happens is that when we lose that hunger, because we become complacent, he will, he will send them away, but he wants the hungry. So we're going to tie this back in. <coughs> to go back to Psalm 107, it says that God, in 107, he is taking away the blessed life and turning it into something, a place of need. What he was doing is that he was taking away these things. He was turning these things away. If you read it again, he takes the... The river turns it to the desert, takes the springs of water. He takes these things away to turn people back to being hungry and dependent upon him again, to see their need for their hunger. And once he does that, it says then he turns, once they recognize that, he turns a desert into the pools of water, the parched land into springs of water. And he lets the hungry dwell there. See? So once they've discovered their need for what they, their hunger, 
then the blessings, he pours them out. And it says here, he sets the hungry up to dwell in the city. I thought this was, this was a point that Bill made in his video I was listening to. He made a really, really, really good point about this. I had never thought about this before. It says that the hungry will dwell and establish a city to live in. Hopefully I can make this, make, make, see what the point of this is. The hungry, dwelling by the springs of water, are given the unique privilege of establishing a city. That the hungry have an abundance, the hungry have an, even have an authority to establish a city. The verse, the last part of that it says, and it says, he turns the desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell, comma, and they establish a city to live in. So see, the hungry have an influence in the city in which they live. And I believe that's what he's done with us. He wants to put us in a city. He's put us in Duluth. He's put us in Superior. He's put us into this place because we get this unique privilege of establishing a city for God and using our influence to turn this city into a city of God. My friend Mike Smith is one of my favorite pastors of all. He says he never sees himself as a pastor of a church. He says, I see myself as a pastor of St. Paul. He says, my call is to turn this city into a city of God. And if, if, when I follow him, now he had a video of renewing some vows for um, who's the rabbi that was up here? Some Jewish rabbi and his wife. He was doing renewal vows. Mike's everywhere <laughs> down in St. Paul. He's the chaplain of the of the Senate. I mean, he's all over the place because he's trying to influence the city because he's hungry for God, and he's trying to use that hunger. That's what we need to do. We're going today. We're going after we're done here. We're going to go to a memorial service for a friend of Kim Brody's who uh, passed away. And they called us and would you come and do music and. Help us do a memorial service guy, you know, with a whole bunch of people who don't know God. You know, this, you know, Kim was just trying to minister to this guy, and she found him dead of natural causes the other day. So they're doing a memorial service. We're trying to influence and impact our city because yeah. yeah. we're hungry. We want to establish this city. God is raising up a generation. I believe this is a prophetic word over us, over a generation, that God is raising up a generation, a company of people who will cry out, God, save our city. God, we want you to save Duluth. We want you to save Superior. We want you to save this Twin Port system. And not just individuals. And I, this, again, is another point that I never thought about. That is, this isn't a call to just one or two people. Lord, I want you to save you know, the people in my circle, my friends, my families. This is a cry for a whole city. This is a cry for the institutions in the city. This is a cry for the leaders of the city, that God, you would save our mayor. You'd save the city council. You'd save the school board members. That we would come into the city. We want the kingdom values to permeate every part of our lives in this city. Amen. Not that we're trying to do kingdom theology. If Jesus is going to come and rule and reign over it, we want to just impregnate yeah. the values of the kingdom, every part of the society, in relationships, where we do business, all these kind of things. We want to have the, the destiny and the hungry of the, the kingdom of God to come down and be established yeah. here. The values that are in heaven to be evident in this city. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. That he wants to make the hungry dwell here so that we could establish that. Yeah. He wants the nature of the city defined by hungry people. Yeah. 
to define, like I said, the DNA, to reach up and pull this down. I believe that the people that caused the Azusa Street Revival, the Welsh Revival, the Moravian Revival, that their hunger reached up and pulled on the environment of heaven and yanked it down to earth and said, we want that here now. (laughs) And the whole place became pregnant with the presence of of heaven. That's why people were drawn to Azusa. That's why people are being drawn to Josiah Center. Because they're pulling this, and the, and, the, and the environment of heaven is coming down and touching earth, and people say, we, we are desperate for something like that. <clears throat> I want us to be a people that are doing that, that are crying out for that, yeah. that we're hungry for that. And what happens is that when we do this, the atmosphere changes because hungry people pull on a greater reality and change the environment that they're in, Amen. everywhere they are. It goes beyond a hunger, as I said, for individuals. It's to see the city and to see the region changed. I believe, again, the Lord is releasing a grace for remaining hungry while being blessed. Can you stand with me? Can we pray for a few minutes of this? To pray for hunger for a city. To be, in hung- uh, to be hungry for a change in a city in our DNA. And we can unite our hearts for a few minutes here to pray for, for what, what God gives you to pray. Let's just pray for just a few minutes together. If we're a small enough group, we can do that and not be worried about what people think. <laughs> Lord, we just want to pray for Duluth and pray for Superior God. We just want to cry out for, yeah. for a change in the, the DNA and the change in the environment in this city, God. Yeah. That we would reach up and we would grab heaven and we would pull that down. That, yeah. that the very fabric of heaven would come down to this earth and the atmosphere would change, starting here, yes. but, st- yes, but permeating out of here to, to Duluth, that they would begin to experience, that there would be people that would just begin to experience changes in their hearts and how they treat people. Like the same thing would ha- happen to business people like happened to Zacchaeus, and all of a sudden they'd say, I've cheated people and I need to make that right. Those kind of things, God. We pray for the, the mayor of our city, yeah. Lord, that she would come to experience a relationship with you, that her, her life could be transformed by coming into a, a loving relationship with you, Jesus. Not just a religious relationship, but a relationship with you. We pray for city council members. We pray for the government in our city, God, that, that the Christians that are in governmental positions would rise up yeah. and that they would express and pray for others and that they would begin to... to um, show the v- values of heaven all around them, wherever they are. For school board members, for teachers that are teaching in school, God, that, that they would show to their students the values of heaven. That they would love them, Lord God. For our social systems, that, it would, that people would begin to love people the way that you love them, God, the poor and the down and out and the unfortunate, Lord. Oh, Jesus. We just pray for identity, that people will begin to understand and learn their identity in you, yes. how much, how valuable they are in you. And we pray for teen challenge this morning, God. Yes. There's been a, there's struggling through dependency issues. God, just break them free from that now in Jesus' name. Yes. That that kingdom would come to Lake Avenue and First Street. There would just be a rumble of the, the presence of God that would just permeate out of that building. And a revival would break out in Teen Challenge. 
Father, you have said, Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And Father, I just ask that you, indeed, you just help us be aware of how much our spirit is so hungry for righteousness to permeate all avenues, all aspects of our culture in this area, in our region, in our state, and in our nation. Yes. And Father, we know that it is the truth that will set us free and make us free. Father, give us a hunger and a thirst in starting in all of the churches and going into business and education and government and all aspects of our society. Let them understand that it is the truth that is the way to the freedom and liberty that they are really hungering for. And it is that freedom, that freedom to do what is right, that freedom to hold to the values that you gave Jesus in that first century and that the early church was willing to die for. Father, help us to have, stir in us, bring in us, develop in us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and holiness and purity and truth and integrity and honesty, sexual morality. Father, pour it in us with a passionate and burning hunger that we would not just be revived, but we would be reformed And we would put off that old man if we are still hanging on to any of old man and maybe not even knowing it and truly be transformed, be reformed into that new man who walks in the power and the glory. Because it says that those that go after truth are like our boldest lions. Father, when we know the truth and we walk in it, we will be as yes. old as lions and we will chase out the demons in our area. And we just praise and thank you, Father, that as we come before you, we are in agreement. We want that hunger yes. stirred back up inside of us, yes. that it will transform us and be that new man in totality that you have called us to yes. be. In Jesus' name. Lord, you showed me earlier that for each of us, when you hung the dung on the cross into our lives, we were literally, our life was sitting on a garbage dump. And we thought it smelled great. We had no idea what our life was until the cross came into our lives and it started changing. You changed it into the Garden of Eden. You changed that garbage dump into a Garden of Eden. And Lord, you gave me the sense that we are like a luxurious plant that spreads its roots out to the, to the water. But more than that, you cannot be contained. If we, Lord, if we shut our doors and our windows, we throw them wide open and say, you yeah. take over, explode out of us. Explode out of us. Like, I can't, I think it was Dwight Moody, uh, Bill Johnson said, Dwight Moody said, when God encountered him, he finally had to ask God to stay his hand. That's what we want. We want yeah. so much of you. We can't take it anymore. Yes. It's not for us. It's for everybody else. Amen. We want to be a river that is unstoppable, yeah. that flows out of us and takes everybody with us to the throne of heaven, Father God. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Lord. 
when you affirm us, you are so good. So Lord, keep us ever after you. Yeah. Ever after you, Lord God. And you fill us people, Lord. We ask, Lord, we desire that you would stir in us yeah. a daily hunger. When we wake up in the morning, Lord God, we would hear your voice. And we would desire, Lord God, to walk with you every minute of that day. Even through all of the activities of the day, Lord, we would know your presence. We would yes, know, Lord. Lord God, you walking with us, Lord. Just as Doug Stanton said, that your voice is heard throughout the day and we're communing with you throughout the day, Lord. Yes. That is hunger. That is seeking. That is desiring, Lord, that we would be connected with you in every manner, in every way. Our thoughts, our emotions, our, our wills, Lord God, would be completely yours. Completely yours, Lord God. Yes. And as we hunger and thirst after you, Lord God, and as we hear you and learn of you and grow of you, and that humility is close about us, Lord God, we know that in that relationship and in that that way of living, Lord God, it is what the world will look and say. They know Jesus, and yeah. I want to know Jesus. Yeah. So Lord, have your way. Have your way in each and every one of us in this place, Lord God. Have your way. Yes, do Lord. with us what you desire to do. And keep us ever hungry to you. Yes. Walking in that place of humility, knowing we are a desperate people. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we ask that you will heal the breaches in this region. The breaches and the divisions between cities, the breaches and the divisions between parts of the city with other parts. We ask that you would heal the breaches between in families and institutions and the whole area. Yes. That you bind it together to make it whole in the hearts of of all will be healed and, and brought into oneness. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hear our prayers this morning, our petitions to you. Seal them. Let's move on our behalf, God. Go with us today. Power, grace, and mercy.
presence here with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you one and all.